other deck, the one they brought to you in a, on a USB. Although that is us, and that's what we're talking about. So, so it's a good start. So, John, while we're uh, there, you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell me, how long have you been with Access? Well, it depends on how you count. Okay, so go ahead and explain. Yeah, so I've been with Axis on three different occasions. So I okay. um, started with them about 30 years ago. Okay. Um, then I left because for various reasons, came back. They sold me, you know, to another company, and then I came back. But I've been about for about 20 years You were a player to, to be determined later. Okay. Exactly. I was, a, I was a draft pick. So. Okay. So with that said, I'm going to get out of the way and let you. Do you have the, um, the, the, advance, the slide advancer? Have we seen it recently? It's a professional show here, Pete. We, we, we sort of are. We're, we're, we're a real-time professional show is what exactly, we are. Exactly, exactly. So with that said, I'm going to go watch you from the stand. <laughs> hey, first of all, um, thanks, everyone, for uh, stopping by for my session today. Uh, my name is John DiPaolo. Uh, I'm going to spend some time talking about lessons learned on digital transformation or transformation to the digital supply chain um, and you know, so just some things that uh, that we've seen as a solutions provider, um, some lessons that we've learned in talking kind of with customers on their journey, um, and I'll spend a moment just talking about Axis. Um, so Axis is a supply chain execution traceability company. Um, so we've been around for coming up on 30 years now. Um, so we really focus on getting information from the shop floor, from the extended supply chain, integrating that information with companies' ERP systems, and being able to trace products and assets throughout the extended supply chain. So with that being said, um, you know that is the extent of the Access commercial. If you guys want to talk with us after, uh, kind of after the session, we're in a booth um, right over there, um, so right behind the session here. But you know the, the transformation that we have seen and that everyone is starting to see is you know, kind of in the good old days of manufacturing and distribution. You know, things were pretty much vertically integrated, very linear from a supply chain perspective, very much supply driven. Um, and you know, if you look at the graphic, and I picked this graphic you know, for a very particular reason, uh, there are no IoT devices anywhere kind of on that assembly line, right? So, you know, things, you know, back in the day um, were very, very much linear process. Um, companies control their own destiny, so not a lot of outsourcing, not a lot of third parties involved. What we do, you know, when you take a look at that, you know, kind of in order to get value out of today's more modern supply chain, when you look at what is going on in what I call the traditional supply chain, those supply chains are really not nimble enough in order to deal with the variability of what's happening in today's world. When you think about it, you know, and I think we're gonna see some changes, and we may see some changes fairly rapidly in supply chain approaches, even based upon what's going on in the past month in the world, right? So, you know, companies that were single sourced out of China, as an example, may think that may not be such a great idea anymore after looking at what's happened, you know. So the the situation that we are seeing is you know the traditional supply chain where data is siloed in very specific areas, it's very static, it's very rigid, and it's inflexible from a ability to change perspective has certainly a challenging situation. Now having said that, 
you know, most companies that we deal with are still very, very ERP focused. So they're running SAP or Oracle or some other ERP solution. And quite honestly, that's not gonna change. And that's okay. Because, you know, what we wanna be able to see is how I can turn those rigid supply chains into a much more dynamic and scalable solution. And really what we're starting to see across companies that are thinking about how to make their supply chain more dynamic is how do I have a central system for my order to cash process in ERP, but then how do I surround that from an edge perspective with systems that are scalable, that are nimble, that are easy to change, and can take advantage of the new technologies that are coming into the world now. So we see really two different sets of drivers that are really driving this transformation. So, you know, I, I break them up into industry drivers and IT drivers. So from an industry side, you know, everyone talks about, and it's getting a little bit uh, old, but it's still true, you know, kind of this Amazon effect. So what happens is, from a consumer perspective, you are very used to getting on your phone or getting on your mobile device, placing an order, and now you're disappointed if it doesn't show up like that day. Now, when you go to work, you get on your system, you place an order, and in many cases, you're happy if it ever shows up, right? And what's the status of that? How can I get real-time information? You know, the other big change that we're seeing across industries is this, this, this greater dependency on the fact that we're outsourcing more and more work, you know, to third parties. So we want to own the brand. We want to have a whole series of third parties manufacture and distribute the brand for us. And that's great because it allows us to take advantage of economies of scale. But the challenge that we see in that is the ability to communicate with those partners in a reliable way. There's a big change in, in kind of the risk profile from additional uh, dependence on, you know, how do I make sure that the product that I've sourced from a third party comes when I need it to in order to take the next step in the journey. We're also starting to see much more, depending on your industry, from a regulation um, and a compliance perspective. So in pharmaceutical, in chemical, all of those areas have new regulations that are um, coming into effect that require you to track product at a much more granular level. And then finally, you know, who in the audience has been involved in a merger or acquisition in the last year? You know, companies are continually to buying and selling each other, and that, you know, adds to additional complexities from a supply chain perspective, because what do you do with those company systems? How do I integrate those in? On the IT side, you know, what we're seeing is just a revolution in the way people are managing data across their supply chains, and the cloud is driving that process. So it used to be siloed in individual ERP systems. Now with cloud, becomes much easier to share information across different stakeholders and across different information holders. The other big change that we see and needing to be able to take advantage of is this ability to have mobile access from anywhere. So information available on my phone, on my tablet, available anywhere inside or outside of the enterprise. Three other drivers that we're seeing, or four, around the um, you know, IoT and this proliferation of new ways of capturing information across the supply chain. So a whole new raft of sensors, a whole new you know, grouping of, of devices that can manage information and product as it moves through the supply chain. 
And the challenge becomes, how do I integrate those in a meaningful way to be able to take advantage of those new capabilities? Blockchain, you know, is on all the, you know, from a, from a uh, news perspective, everyone's talking about blockchain. How can I integrate blockchain? How can I have a more secure supply chain leveraging blockchain technology? And we're seeing some companies now start to adopt that technology. But the thing you need to think about is what's the best way to do that? How do I integrate things like blockchain? How do I integrate things like IoT into my system? And then on top of all of that, because of all this new data that is available, how can I leverage that for things like machine learning? How can I start to incorporate um, information into my supply chain so I can do predictive analytics and machine learning around supply and demand um, uh, situations in my supply chain? So when we think about these things, you know, the two areas at a macro level is that modern supply chains demand that you have transparency across your stakeholders. So you need to be able to, in a meaningful way, be able to see into your third parties' supply chains, into your partners' supply chains for being able to manage that. And then the other thing, which I think is becoming more and more common, and we think it's a good thing, is we have these stakeholder ERP systems. People have literally spent hundreds of millions of dollars on you know, SAP and Oracle and other big ERP systems, and those work great but they're not dynamic enough to take all of these different changes and this volume of information that is being generated in the modern supply chain and incorporate that. So that's why we feel that incorporating information from the edge and having systems to capture that data at the edge and then feed the appropriate data back into your centralized system is the way to look at it. So I've kind of broken this down into five different steps. And I built them up this way, and, and when we talk with customers about, you know, kind of what are the five components in building a path through the digital supply chain, the first one, and what I believe to be the most important one, is can I capture the information I need at the edge? So capturing information at the source at a granular level and being able to utilize that information in a, from a various, um, sources and devices. So in some cases, that's gonna be barcode. In some cases, that'll be RFID, low energy Bluetooth. There was just a discussion up here around all the different technologies that people can utilize to capture information at the edge. Now, just capturing information is not good enough because now, as I have that information, I need to be able to apply the appropriate context data to that information to be able to provide insight. So I'll give you an example. So. If I'm manufacturing pharmaceuticals, you know, there's a law in place that is coming in between now and 2023 that says every saleable unit of pharmaceuticals must be individually serialized so I can track it from the time of manufacture through the time of distribution. So that pharmaceutical companies are undertaking that right now. So there's one thing that says, okay, I'm gonna be compliant with that law. So I'm gonna have four pieces of information put that on the serial number and track that through the supply chain. But what if you could attach other pieces of business context data to that same serial number and leverage that for your own use? So that's what I mean by applying the appropriate context data to data that you're capturing at the edge. And then the third piece, and this comes you know, on the journey, is utilizing that context data to integrate that into your system of record. 
So what do I mean by that? So many, many companies that I go through and you know, talk to them and see them is they're capturing information, they're writing it down, they're putting it in at the end of the day, at the end of the shift, at the end of whatever, into their ERP system. In order to make this work and to really capture value from the digital supply chain, the way that I like to think about it is the act of moving the product needs to feed the system. So if I have barcode or RFID or other technologies in my supply chain, I then leverage that information to create transactions in my ERP system simply by moving the product. So it doesn't happen after, it happens as a part of moving the product. Then you can start to think about what visibility and insight am I getting out of those product movements? And ultimately, how can I build out an agile dynamic supply chain? So, you know, the, the, the benefit of going in this path is you really get the ability to have kind of unprecedented visibility by capturing and integrating that information into your systems. Now, you know, there's a lot of companies and, and a lot of systems that are out there, and the goal is really to get to four and five, right? So I want to have visibility. That's my goal. I want to have agility. That's my goal. Well, if you don't do the first foundational steps and get the data at the source, capture it as it's going through this, your supply chain, the insight and the visibility that you're getting is not going to be granular enough to get value out, right? When, when we talk about things like machine learning algorithms and we talk about things like big data usage, it really requires that high fidelity from the edge to be captured and put into your systems. That doesn't necessarily mean into your ERP system. There may not be a spot for that. But what we see is this combination of edge and ERP, which then allows you to build out these visibility and agility solutions. So I put this architecture up here just as a reference. And you know, the, the thought process is you know, down here on the bottom where we have ERP and other support systems, 15 years ago that was really the center of everyone's universe. But in reality, we're now talking about information and processes being transported utilizing cloud solutions and then ultimately that being integrated in a meaningful way back into your ERP system. The other thing that we then can get out of that, if you notice on the analytics and the dashboarding side of the house, that is not necessarily coming out directly out of your ERP system. We're talking about a solution which combines the capability of IoT data, serialization data, traceability data, and master data out of your ERP system to be able to give you a complete picture. And the other thing to think about as we go through this architecture is what is you know, over here on the right-hand side, which is how can I meaningfully integrate in my um, co-manufacturers, distributors, and customers in such a way that I have an end-to-end -end picture of my supply chain. And all of this ultimately will be driven by mobility and um, uses outside of the four walls of your enterprise. So, you know, when we think about this end-to-end -end visibility, it really starts with identifying product at the lowest saleable unit or the lowest movable unit and tracking that through your supply chain so that I can generate, you know, things around real-time analytics and dashboards. So, it's all fun to talk about, but, you know, 
where have we done it or where is it being done kind of in the real world? So I brought a couple of kind of reference architectures and, and discussion points to talk about um, as, you know, as uh, kind of examples. So we're working with a customer today, um, large rental, uniform rental company. Um, they actually have about 400 million garments under management across in round numbers, 200 different locations. So how does that play into, you know, kind of the digital supply chain and IoT? Well, every uniform or every garment that this company has is serialized, and it has about 70 attributes to it. So what happens is when they scan in and out every single garment every time that they send one out to a customer, and all of these calculations are done on the back end based upon that information. So they actually use a combination of barcode, RFID, and integrated sensors to track every garment through their entire supply chain. And by doing that, they're able to provide their customers with 99.99% accuracy of product going out the door. So if you think about it, you know, if you're expecting your clothes to come with you so you can work, there's nothing more important than those clothes actually being yours when they show up so you can go to work on Monday. So, you know, we work with them very diligently on tracking their product all throughout the entire supply chain from the time it's picked up in a truck till the time it comes back, is washed, cleaned, um, resized, changed for season, all of those types of things, all utilizing um, IoT-based technology. So, the couple things we learned about that, you know, as we went through this process. So, you know, the first thing is that not all garments are created equal. So you need to have a system in place that allows you flexibility to track different items based upon either their value or their use. So a fire retardant suit, as an example, um, needs to be tracked in a different way than a pair of coveralls that you wear to, uh, you know, to work on an automobile. So we put in a solution that allowed them total flexibility, the ability to track garments at different levels with, with different attributes and treat them differently based upon their state. The other thing that was super important, and we cannot, you know, kind of overlook this process, is one of the requirements of the system, remember we're talking about 400 garments, 400 million garments in their inventory, they needed to be able to scan those garments with a quarter second response time or less on the way in and on the way out. So why was that important? And you know, why did we need to think about that? Well, when they originally designed the system, that area was overlooked. And what was happening was they were having slowdowns at individual locations out in the field, and you know, the partners were getting unhappy with how that worked, and it was slowing them down from a supply chain perspective. So even though we had all the data, we didn't have the performance in the system to support that data. So that comes into play as well. So another example I'm gonna give here is a company that we did business with, specialty gas manufacturer. So they deal with canisters and cylinders that go out into the supply chain and come back. Um, the stuff they put in those canisters and cylinders um, you know, is not the nicest stuff in the world. You wanna make sure that it's contained, um, it's hazardous. Um, and these canisters and cylinders had a life cycle to them. So what we did was we combined RFID technology along with the ability to manage their entire production and distribution process and tied that into every one of their locations. So every time one of their canisters or cylinders moves from one location to another, we're actually looking at its entire life cycle, 
seeing what its inspection is, seeing when it was last maintained, seeing if you can utilize this canister for this particular product or this cylinder for this particular product, and then tracking that out through the entire supply chain. So what did we learn from doing this? Well, the first thing we learned is that we could, you know, what we learned was they had a huge abundance of extra inventory that they were managing because prior to doing that, they were managing this life cycle on spreadsheets and things like that. So we were able to save them a significant amount of money in the amount of canisters and cylinders that they had to have in inventory. The other thing was that we were able to start to put together some machine learning algorithms that would do some very interesting things. So one of the things that they found out, and as you start to think about your extended supply chain processes, this is where having big data can really help. So they would take a canister or a cylinder, they would send it out to a third party for cleaning or for inspection, and then they would bring it back. Well, as we started to track that process through, we were actually able to predict very effectively that a, a cleaning cycle or an inspection cycle would take six weeks from the time that it went out till the time that it came back. So previous to the solution being in place, they basically treated these canisters or cylinders as a unmanaged asset. So when they ran production scheduling, they weren't taking those items into account. So they would get to a point where they would go to run a production order, they wouldn't have cylinders or canisters in place in order to be able to run that. So we were able to predict how many items that they would need in order to fulfill their orders, predict when they needed to be maintained in order to get back on time, and really save them an awful lot of time and money and rush shipments and things like that by, again, tying all of this information together. So, you know, I guess the learning here is that utilizing today's existing technology, if you start to instrument your supply chain from end to end, there are a lot of different areas where you can save time, where you can save money, and where you can you know, speed up processes um, and then you know, introduce new technologies as they come along. So with that, I'm uh, going to uh, turn it over to any questions. Carl, you always look like you have a good question. I do, but before I get there, I, you want to sit down and we'll do sure. it that way, or you want to? Yeah, we can sit. Well, we, and I need a volunteer here. Uh, <coughs> grab a mic and just. Are there questions from the audience before I get started? You don't want you don't want my questions. I promise you that. Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's let's start with the simple one. So, in my world, people talk about digital twins. Yes. Okay, and you've basically not said anything about digital twins, so kind of talk to me about how you see the world and where the difference is. Yeah, um, so I, yeah, I, I, uh, I often, uh, you know, um, avoid that particular terminology, right, although it's, it's not a bad terminology. So um, from a digital twin perspective, kind of our definition of a digital twin um, is the ability to recreate the physical asset in your solution and then be able to track that and, it, and all of its attributes on its journey from supplier all the way through end customer. Um, you know, we've always kind of thought that way, so the concept of digital twin, um, you know, has always been there. But the key is to be able to have a flexible set of attributes per product or per product family so that you can fully define the asset as it moves through the supply chain. Okay. So as I was watching you go through the supply chain, particularly in the garment place, one of the things that was hitting me was end-of-life issues and how you, um, 
manage the value going forward? Because as you were going up the chain, and you mentioned, you know, the the fire retardant. Right. Yeah. I sat there and said, well, I'd want to know about that for the rest of its life. Right. And there are other things where you kind of sit there. It's got a short lifespan to begin with. How do you manage those kind of issues? Yeah, you, you know, it's an interesting, an interesting perspective that we're having with customers now as customers look at both sustainability as well as what do I do with assets that, um, you know, potentially can be repurposed. So one of the learnings that we found on the garment rental piece is there are companies that will allow you to, or, or as a garment gets either used or um, it changes grades or things of that nature, people will leverage them in different ways, right? So it'll, it allowed them to expand the life of some of their garments because now they're A grade or B grade or C grade as they go through the process. Um, but on the fire retardant one, as an example, they can tell you with complete fidelity how many times that's been cleaned, how long it's been in the field, when it was last inspected, does it need to be retired because it's now gone past its useful life. So, you know, having that capability is an important part of the solution. And, and is there like a cost measurement? Is there like an internal ROI that they're constantly watching? With you, kind of walk me through the measurements. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an internal ROI from a processing standpoint, but one of the other areas that they look at, um, which they which um, has been a big improvement for them, is they have certain customers that are harder on products than others, right? So because we're treating you know each garment every time as it comes through, I can now understand from a value and cost perspective, you know, if I have a certain user that is harder on a particular product than others, I can work that into my costing structure. Oh, nice. So, so does that mean that there's a different rate between the two, or does that mean that you sit there and you've got to, you specialize the product? How do they look at that? I, I think they look at it both ways, right? Okay. You know, so um, certainly they look at it from a specialized product perspective, but then the other way they look at it is, um, you know, if I have a certain behavior that's happening, right, okay. I get an opportunity to change that behavior before having to go to them and say, okay, well, now you just got to, I'm, I'm just going to charge you more. Okay, so... So in your in your five steps as opposed to twelve steps on, yes. the, on the data side of the equation. Yes. Um, one of the things that hit me was um, we've done surveys where um, only forty percent of the, the companies actually look at the data they're gathering. Correct. Right? And um, it, that's part of the problem is they don't know whether they've been effective or not in their IoT solution. So how do you get them to actually pay attention to the to the data and how do you get them on track? Right. So at Carl, that's a good question. Um, you know, the way that, that we look at it, and I think this is important, is remember the concept of moving the product feeds the system? Right. If that's the case, you have no option but to look at the data. I think where people run into problem is when the data collection is separate from the actual physical movement of the, of the product, right? Because that means that you haven't instrumented your process right, from through the supply chain, that way there can also be a disconnect between what's actually happening from a product movement perspective, what's happening from a data management perspective, right, versus if I'm utilizing my data collection and data management solution to move product from point A to point B, that's the same information that I now use to build analytics and KPIs and dashboards, and it becomes a much more valuable process. And if I'm not looking at it, then I'm really not managing my supply chain either. Okay, so that begs more questions, <laughs> and and one of them is there's a difference between data lakes and data streams, right? You've got Correct. The, you've got the process that's staying continual, and then you've got the 
people who you know put in the reservoir and eventually they'll look at it so it sounds to me like you're a data streams company as you how you manage things and yet you're also managing things that are are if i d barcoding so these are these are items that don't lend themselves to streams very much so it strikes me that you've got alarm issues where you're actually saying hey wait a minute what happened to these devices are you doing that kind of stuff too yeah so you know the the difference being that you know you can you can have a data stream right you know coming and that can manage the movement of product that gets aggregated into in essence a data lake and then that's where you get your historical that's where you get your trend information right but the two need to be connected right so i take my transactional data I move that into my historical data, and that's how I can build out machine learning algorithms that can learn from what happened in the past as well as what's going on in the now, right? It's, so when you're building you know, machine learning algorithms and things like that only on what's happened historically, you can tend to run into problems because you're not integrating real-time data from what's going on right now. Okay, so, so back to that, 40, that only 40% are paying attention to the data. Right. It feels to me like your sales cycle has a large learning curve involved. Yeah, it does. It how, does. How do you guys talk to a greenfield that doesn't know anything about what they could do with their data? Br bring me into your cycle. <coughs> yeah. So you know, in, in in a lot of cases, when we're talking with you know new opportunities or, or people that are looking to do things in a different way, um, it's really starting to talk to them about what's best practice in their industry, right? Um, you know, we know chemical industry really well. We know, you know, the CPG, food and beverage industry and pharmaceutical industry really well. So we can look at industry leaders about what they've done, right? And then apply our best practices from, you know, a, a data collection and visibility and supply chain perspective to that. Um, and it is a long sales cycle sometimes. Um, sometimes you can, you know, get, uh, get quick wins and things like that. Um, you know, we really focus on um, trying to make sure that when people are looking at pilots, you know, that they're real scale pilots, you know, not just, um, you know, some one off process, but we want to incorporate the different things that can happen, you know, because uh, pilot becomes production, production becomes permanent, and then you're stuck with what you piloted with. So when we work with customers around, okay, let's try something out, but let's make sure that it's a real world scenario that we're trying. Right. So, so that gets into, I'm assuming there's an interdepartmental issue here, right, where you got to get all the different people talking from operations to IT. Correct. Uh, another challenge, you know, right. around, um, you know, budgets are siloed, you know, and solutions aren't if they're done properly, right? right? So, you know, I think that that's a challenge that we run into as well, you know, is who's going to fund it, right? Is it a is it a corporate initiative? Is it a departmental initiative? Is it a is it a single location initiative? Um, you know, and and sometimes, you know, trying to to do the right thing, which sometimes is a little bit more of an investment either in time or resources, is a challenge to do when it's a single location that's trying to do those types of things. So, so talk to me about scale issues and, and like where, where do your customers, you know, how much data are you trying to manage? Is there, are some customers easier than others and how their, their data is very small in comparison or? Yeah, and I think that's becoming less of an issue, um, you know, from a data perspective. Uh, you know, we're a cloud-based solution that is easily scalable, um, you know, so that has become less of a challenge from a, from a data management perspective than it used to be. Um, you know, we still and always will be um, working with companies' ERP systems, and that's where the challenge is because um, even if you want to put best practice solutions in, 
you're still beholden to how they've configured an SAP or an Oracle or something along those lines, so you have to work within those constructs um, to make sure that you put in a solution that still is going to be used, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just another thing you have to think about as you're going and down the path. And are they using, are you using their APIs or are you, you providing your own? APIs? Combination of both. Combination of both? Combination of both. Okay. So are there questions from the audience? Uh, yes, over here, Mark. Hold on one sec. So uh, what attributes would a organization have that they would want to start continuing a, or considering an IoT data stream? Um, good question. You know, I, I think it a little bit depends on, um, you know, kind of what you're manufacturing or what you're distributing, right? So um, typically, you know, you want to have items of a reasonable value, right, you know, that are kind of going through the supply chain. Um, you know, potentially there where there's multiple handoffs that need to go through there. You know, anyone who's dealing with items that need to come back, right? Um, you know, from uh, transport items or 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 uh, other areas, you know, should be looking at that. Um, but also, you know, pharmaceuticals, food and beverage, you know, all of those types of um, items that go out and can affect other things. You know, I think it's a it's a good thing to take a look at um, being able to integrate information from multiple data sources. I think. As technologies change, though, it's kind of going to be almost everybody. You know, as you know, people want to know where things are. Th as the supply chain continues to speed up, you know, being able to pull that those pieces of information and integrate them in is going to become key. Other questions? I don't want to let miss anyone. Just out of curiosity, how many people are in operations? Okay, uh, IT. Okay. You guys talk to each other at all, or uh, are the uh, IT versus OT? Is there such a problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it now. Um, questions? Did you have your hand up, young lady? No. Okay. Um, so, so let me go back to to um, to the issues associated with the greenfield and 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 end of life cycle, and, and particularly, you know, what I'm curious about is you you kind of take it from cradle, and then there's grave and Grave never really gets talked about, right? And when I worked in the phone company, right, right, a disconnect order you did in the central office, you you pulled the clips and you didn't care anymore after that, right? So, you know, occasionally you'd end up with a new service where it turned into a party line, right, where would both people would get the rings and you know you had to go back and look at the the, the wire and figure out where things were. So, it, what's the equivalent in terms of dealing with the end of life cycle? Is there um, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is it's very understandable how the front end works and why you do the front end, but the back end, other than, you know, saying, oh, we need more inventory, you know, knowing how you're, do how you're actually ending the, the service, tell me about that aspect. Um, you know, the second example that I gave, um, you know, is an interesting one because, you know, when they, when, when they retire, and we see this in specialty chem all the time, you know, when you retire assets that you use to transport hazardous materials and things like that, there's a whole reporting structure that needs to go with that, right? So what happened to the asset? Where did it go? You know, um, how did I handle, you know, the product that was still in it? How do I make sure that it doesn't become, you know, a problem from an environmental perspective and things like that? So, you know, tracking that serialized information all the way till the very end um, is equally important for some industries, you know, for others, you know, not so much, um, but it really depends on your product and process. So, you're, I feel like you're very state-of-the-art right now, which begs the question, you've been with them 30 years, so 
where did you start and where did you evolve from? How did you evolve? How is that for? The, the company or me personally? So. The, the company. You <laughs> yeah. personally is obvious. So, uh, so the company um, started as a barcode data collection company. Um, okay. So when we first started, um, you know, barcode data collection decided to integrate it into SAP. Um, and that was an interesting choice. Um, then got involved in the RFID space around the Walmart mandate for um, all the RFID for every product that was coming through Walmart. Um, and then got involved in pharmaceutical serialization about eight years ago. And then have bundled all of that solution up um, and the IoT gateway for getting information from various sources, put that in the cloud. Um, and then we also have a hybrid approach that says, you know, IoT data gathering is not really a good cloud option. Um, so we use industrial PCs on-prem in order to do you know, RFID reading, low energy Bluetooth reading, all of those types of things, and then that runs in a store and forward environment up to the cloud. What's the oddest sensor thing that you've had to actually measure? Uh, you know, what's, what's been the thing where you've been sitting there going, oh, how do I get that into the system? Uh, you know, we, we, do a, we do some, um, for some customers, some level of, you know, temperature, vibration, and humidity tracking. Okay. Um, and, you know, years ago, that was tough to find, that type of sensor. You know, these sensors are now becoming almost ubiquitous around being able to do that. Our biggest challenge now for is around battery life of GPS sensors and things like that, and how is that, you know, changing, and that's rapidly changing as well. Okay. I, I hate to mention this, but... Given where I know you're located in New Jersey, yes, all those places that you mentioned, as as people using you, like pharmaceuticals, you know, chemicals, that kind of stuff, it's ideal locations. The only one you haven't mentioned is Sioux, right? <laughs> so I kind of sat there and went, oh, this this is interesting. Uh, what other vertical marketplaces are you seeing the opportunity right now? Uh, you know, for us. You know, we we do specialize in in pharma, um, chemical, um, and CPG food and bev. Um, you know, and I I think those are the areas that are that are good for this type of technology. Um, you know, areas we don't play but still can be certainly utilize it is in aerospace and defense um, and automotive. But those are two areas that we don't do a significant amount of work in, although they are both great candidates for you know serialization and track and trace and and have been doing it for years. Good. So, any last questions before I, we wrap up here? Oh, we're a quiet crowd. I hate when crowds are quiet, you know that? Um, I'm going to try my normal procedure, okay? Which I don't think is going to work. But everybody right now, join me. Raise your hands and wave them vehemently. Come on. Everybody. Okay. Now, the first one to put down their hands has a question. So... <laughs> <laughs> so who was that? So <laughs> the, the last question then is yours. What's the question I should have asked that never brought up? That's a, that's a good one. You know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. I don't, I don't know that I have one off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, I, th I think, you know, how can I get more information? You can come over to our booth right over there. And I, I like us, the so. fact that, that your booth is so convenient. Exactly, exactly. 1704, right? Or I think it 14 is. Or 1407. I my dyslexia every once in a while comes in. So uh, with that said, John, thank you so much. Thank you.